Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, we're going to have so much fun, and I say that every time. I know, I do, but we're talking with one of my favorite people about one of my favorite things, and that's the University of Colorado, but just a little bit about University of Colorado, I promise. We're actually going to talk more with my guest about how he got to where he is today because it is such a fascinating route that he has taken. And, and I just love hearing his story. So please join me in welcoming Robert Garlick to our program today. Welcome, Robert. Thank you. Well, let me tell people just a little bit about you and then we'll jump into this. So Robert Garlick has a passion for great causes and philanthropy. He joined the CU Advancement team in 2017 after working as an executive director for several years in the healthcare space. Robert, who is a graduate of University of Colorado, the School of Arts and Sciences, also owned his own business and ran an international manufacturing business for 10 years in the private sector. He spent his formative years in the UK, but was also fortunate to have worked in many other countries throughout his career. Robert has been proud to call Boulder home for more than 20 years. So yay, go Buffs! But let's let's kind of start and go back to at the beginning because you have had a varied career in many different countries. So tell us about how it is that you finally ended up where you are right now. Sure, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Delighted to be here. So I grew up in England and my parents uh, from immigrant families and often as it is with immigrant families, uh, you go into business, mm-hmm. a small business. My parents owned a, a convenience store, liquor store. Uh, after the war, mm-hmm. World War Two, and they actually met in, in 1950. And then during that time, my father, who'd been a carpenter uh, as a kid uh, growing up, he left very young at 11 and worked in his father's cabinet-making business. Uh, he started a shop-fitting business where in England there's a lot of retail, small retail mm-hmm. stores, mm-hmm. a lot of shopkeeper, and he built that into a company that built trade show booths, and it ended up being all around the world, mm-hmm. especially as he spoke German and Russian and Polish. Mm-hmm. So I was went and visited his business. I worked as the receptionist when the receptionist was out, you know, on vacation. Mm-hmm. I always worked in the, in the business as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, then um, I started working in a jewelry store after work. Uh, it was a relative of a friend of mine owned the jewelry store. And then after school, I wasn't quite ready for college. And I worked in a, a, a very big and retail jewelry store in mm-hmm. London. Mm-hmm. During that time, I always had the opportunity. I knew the opportunity was coming up because of some dual citizenship situations that I could move to Israel. So mm-hmm. it was very cold and wet in England. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine who went to high school with me in junior high, we've been speaking about it. And it just seemed more appealing at that age. Mm-hmm. You make very unusual decisions at 18, 19. But, right. Uh, yeah. Things, you look back later and think, oh, okay. <laughs> what a whim. Let's go to Israel. So we moved to Israel and uh, signed up for a a study work program where we'd study a little bit during the day and then work on a kibbutz, a collective mm-hmm. settlement. Mm-hmm. Staying uh, for seven years mm. and I uh, did my army service there because of my citizenship situation mm-hmm. uh, in the infantry and also worked in a lot of agriculture because the place we lived in, where I also met my wife who'd come to study, who mm-hmm. my wife's from Boulder. Uh, she came for a year but stayed with me for almost seven years in Israel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and there I worked as a, as a chef. Uh, I worked in pick, in, a, in a picking bananas. I, I ran a f- fish farm in a mm-hmm. sense, or helped run a little fish farm that we had there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very different agricultural work, chicken hatchery. So all that time, very, very different work. Mm-hmm. We made a decision at some point to move back to the States to be closer to her family in okay. Colorado, which was lovely. It was a paradise, as those of you who've been to Boulder know. Um, we came to Colorado and I started to think about going back to school, which mm-hmm. I did, but in the interim, I needed to make a living. So 
Uh, actually, the first very very first job I got in Colorado was selling cars because there was, mm. it was a job that was plentiful, and I did it mm-hmm. for a short period of time to get some cash flow. You know, as mm-hmm. you're starting your life. Very soon after that, my clever wife said to me, I think computers will be the next thing. And I said, yeah, you're probably right. So I found a job in a company that made, they used to call them white box computers. You would take the components and put them together. Mm-hmm. And they had a small service department, but the service side of it interested me. Mm-hmm. So I took someone from that business, a young guy who was very good at computers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started a small service company. And then, and, and then a third guy joined us, another young guy from New Jersey, mm-hmm. came and joined us who'd been working with us in that company. And we started a company called Aardvark. Mm. And at the beginning, we started in my basement. And we obviously wanted to become a little larger. And mm-hmm. at that time, computer networking was becoming quite popular. Mm-hmm. And the first computer network we did was honestly three computers. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it grew and grew and grew. Mm-hmm fortunate enough to then move into office space in Boulder, Colorado. Then we opened a small office in Denver, a small office in Colorado Springs. Mm -hmm. And then we bought a building in Broomfield, Colorado, Mm. uh, which isn't too far from Boulder. Mm -hmm. Um, And probably for about 10 years, I stayed in that business. And I decided after 10 years, it was time to change. You know, sometimes you want to change. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I exited the business. Um, it was a wonderful business. We had a lot of small business clients. Uh, we did have some big clients mm-hmm. as well, but I think our small business clients, lots of CPAs, mm-hmm. lots of lawyers, lots of sole practitioners, insurance brokerage. Um, and they obviously in those days would have a small computers put together, mm-hmm. you know, to make a network so they could right. print together or share files. Mm-hmm. And they were a- wired together type of network. Yeah, exactly. So initially, we were really physically wired. Mm-hmm. For people, for the oldsters on the uh, listening in, we were very involved in something called Novell and another lovely named product called Lantastic, mm-hmm. which I think is a great name. Um, and then we moved into the Cisco world, and we actually mm-hmm. had a telephone division mm-hmm. where we did the early voice over IP telephone mm-hmm. systems. So we were expanding, mm-hmm. and we probably at some point had 50 or so people, mm-hmm. but we started out with just the three mm-hmm. of us, and uh, it grew. It was lovely, and we would... We were very, it was very old fashioned from an advertising perspective. We called it Aardvark because it had two A's. Um, <laughs> so you were at the start of the, the yellow pages. Yellow pages or um, I think also the Chamber of Commerce was huge for us. Ah, industry. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was a big Chamber of Commerce guy. Mm-hmm. My business partners were more on the techie side. I was the marketing and sales guy. And I would go out and schmooze and find us mm-hmm. a network and leads groups in Boulder, Denver, Colorado Springs, mm-hmm. South Metro area of Denver. Um, and so I was at three or four of those events a week and Mm -hmm. that's really how we grew, uh, you know, being in the yellow pages. And then we had a very funny habit. We made these, we made a cartoon out of a character called Aaron the Aardvark. We'd have him on top of a Christmas tree or with a pilgrim's hat for Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving. And every day in the local paper, the daily camera, we'd have a small ad. And in those days they had an interesting concept of advertising that they referred to as Toma top of mind awareness, ah, which is an expression I use to this day for all kinds mm-hmm. of business and marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of having a big ad once a week that we had, this young rep, David, said to me, what do you think about just doing a tiny ad every day and then your presence is there every day? And we did mm-hmm. it and it sort of worked for us. Right. We tried to sort of blanket advertise mm-hmm. as much as we could and get out and about. Just like any business, you've got mm-hmm. to find lots of different ways to grow. And that's how we grew. Mm-hmm. After that, I took some time to work with a web company because I wanted to know about early website Mm -hmm. development, Uh, did some consulting for a company in Denver. Uh, And then during that time, I met up with someone who I'd known from the telephone side of the business. Mm -hmm. And he had a telephone business, but they also had a manufacturing business in their family in Denver. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got into the manufacturing. Mm. But I suppose the transition to what I do now happened at the time of my computer company. We were feeling Mm -hmm. fortunate and we started doing some charity work. Mm -hmm. And my family had always been involved in charities and I was was interested. I worked at the homeless shelter for many, many years Mm -hmm. cooking and then doing outreach in the community to bring blankets and and socks Mm -hmm. with my kind friend Larry. And for maybe 13 years, we did that. Mm. So we were always into charity. Mm -hmm. And we would put computers together for charities so they could have them for their galas. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got involved in uh, JDRF, Juvenile Diabetes mm-hmm. Research Foundation. And my youngest son has type 1 diabetes, so mm-hmm. it was great that I got involved. Mm-hmm. And eventually I became board president and mm-hmm. development director and all mm-hmm. of those things on a, on a basis. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I found that I was good at making the ask, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, dreaded ask, which isn't dreaded. It's not like a car deal when you mm-hmm. sign on the bottom line. It's more of a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I started gravitating towards that. And at some point after having, we can talk about international travel as well, but after having traveled abroad and worked in many, many countries, mm-hmm. um, fortune to start reseller network in places like Turkey and Dubai mm-hmm. and and, and, you know, England, mm-hmm. um, I had an opportunity to apply for a position at JDRF at the Juvenile mm. Diabetes Research Foundation, mm-hmm. and I was fortunate enough to become the executive director, <gasps> and we were fortunate enough to grow, mm-hmm. and uh, that's how I sort of got into a non-profit as a career, not as a, uh, as a hobby. Right, right. Yeah, you know, and and so you've been at at CU for and it's it's funny when I read 2017 I thought no that's not right um, because it's hard for me to believe that we have actually only known each other for three years um, mm-hmm. you know and and part of that is because you you know, you've come to Atlanta fairly often pre COVID um, and you know and and you're kind enough that that we have dinner and we get together every time that we're here but. You said something a second ago that I really keyed on, um, and that's that you build relationships before you do the ask. And you know, of course, that works great in the the nonprofit world, but in the for profit world, that's the the step that so many people skip. You know, they meet you, and you know, you're trying to get your hand back from that initial handshake, and they're trying to draw it back to get into your wallet. Um, you know, and and so it is about building those relationships. Yeah, someone wise once said to me, um, uh, always do this before you do this. Ah. So, you know, also, you know, I'm a chatty guy, so I have to be a very active listener. Mm-hmm. You know, two ears, one mouth, try and use them proportionally. That's my weakness, I think. Um, but I think that that relationship building in the nonprofit is very similar to, mm-hmm. as you say, relationship building mm-hmm. in business. So, I would say that the, my finest compliment in the computer business was we had this very sort of tough, hard-nosed lawyer we dealt with, mm-hmm. and he would just call me to chat. Mm-hmm. And he didn't he billed by the hour mm-hmm. very much. He's that guy, right? Mm-hmm. And he's, he's a wonderful man, mm-hmm. but he's a very aggressive business person, and he has a great skill, and he feels mm-hmm. that he should bill for that, and that's very true. But he would just call me for a chit-chat, which mm-hmm. I saw as a very lovely compliment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it isn't a notion of, knowing when someone's birthday is or their kid's birthday mm-hmm. is. I think that's a little trite. It's lovely to know that. Right. Mm-hmm. I think really knowing about, you know, you and your family and knowing for, mm-hmm. for, for you and Tom, for example, that beagles, your dogs are a very large mm-hmm. part of your life. Not just sort of platitudes about that. Mm-hmm. I think it's important for me to go and read about that so that we can have fun and mm-hmm. interesting conversation about it. And right. I always learned, I learned something, right? Like, what do I know about beagles? I knew Snoopy, right? So well, and, you know, it, it, we were, Tom and I were talking about this. We went out to dinner with you, met you several times before you actually said that you would like to talk to us about becoming a, a major donor. Um, you know, and, and, and the, you know, the way you did it was, you know, certainly we didn't feel like we were pressured or anything like that. It was just, you know this is my job. I need to ask. Um, and, you know, and, and one of the things that we definitely felt was not pressured. We knew if we said no, wouldn't change anything. We'd still have dinner with you. Um, you know, and, and, but because we were comfortable with you, then we could have those discussions and, you know, and, and we'd laugh that, you know, we're considered major donors and, and we, you know, we're, ma- we're major donors if we die today. Um, you know, that's, that's the big thing um, because there's those life insurance policies that are floating around out there. But, you know, it's, it really was something where, you know, you definitely built that relationship. And like I said, we knew if we said no or not at this time, that was okay. Absolutely. And again, so many people totally forget that, you know, that it's, well, if you're not going to do business with me, you're done. You know, you're, I'm never going to talk to you again. Well, there is that notion, of course, in business and in nonprofit um, slash higher education, where it is good to know if someone doesn't have an interest. I mean, right, there is right. that notion, oh, yeah. of course, mm-hmm. you, but I think that, and sometimes I will meet people and they'll say, I know you're on the, the financial side. Mm-hmm. And it's really not something for me. And I say, well, you know, you do this. Could you be a mentor for our students? Mm-hmm. Could you engage in other ways? Right. It's not comfortable. And often those people will say yes, and eventually they actually will give money. Mm-hmm. So 
I think the I think the relationship. I'm not a transactional guy. It's mm-hmm. just I don't think I could be in a business where someone comes in and they buy something and they leave mm-hmm. and you don't see them ever again. I'm interested in repeat business, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. So it has to be a relationship. In your case, and thank you so much for being so kind to the University of Colorado and other things as well. Mm-hmm. I think you know Beagle Rescue, whatever you know, the other right. things you're mm-hmm. interested in. Whenever someone says to me, oh, "I love giving to the MS Society," I'm like, "Well, that's a very wonderful thing." Mm-hmm. Thank you for doing that. Right. And, uh, you know, we well, unfortunately we have a family member impacted or whatever it might be. Uh, of course, everyone has something in their life. I believe that people who really want to give sometimes don't know that they want to give mm-hmm. because they don't know that there's very interesting vehicles. It's not always about cash. As right. you say, life insurance policies. Mm-hmm. IRAs at a certain age, you mm-hmm. have to, you know, mm-hmm. deplete some of those funds in there. In fact, you know, charitable remainder trusts and donor advice funds there's thousands of ways of giving mm-hmm. without writing a check um, real estate etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. but we can get into that if that's a question later but I think more importantly you can't just enter into a very intimate conversation mm-hmm. if I go to a life insurance salesperson I say hey I want to get long care or life insurance they know that that's what the relationship is all about so with that in mind you know, you can have that conversation right away. Mm-hmm. But I think in the nonprofit world, that's something you have to get into. It's very personal. Mm-hmm. It's very intimate. And I think that, you know, you have to really be careful how you get into that. Mm-hmm. Right. So you know, in, and in, sorry, it's, it's interesting because it is, you know, it's, 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 as you said, it's very delicate, you know, because many people, you know, most people have something that they're passionate about, um, whether it's, you know, the earth, whether it's animals, whether it's childhood diseases, you know, something. And more than likely, there's a personal reason. You know, you mentioned that that you were um, involved with the Diabetes Association because of your son. Um, you know, I, I worked for the American Cancer Society and I applied there specifically because my grandmother had cancer. Um, and then when I got my diagnosis, I told people, Oh dear, I know just enough to be dangerous. Um, you know, but I also knew the resources and things that, that I could turn to. But you know, we, we find those things and and sometimes you can expand on them. But of course, one of the things that people don't always think about is their university. Um, you know, we we all see these behemoth organizations that, you know, have these gazillion dollar football programs. And yes, I love my buffs and, and Ralphie is there over your shoulder. Um, you know, and, and, or, you know, there are schools that are certainly known for their uh, philanthropic programs. You know, that one of the other things that CU is obviously well known for is aerospace. Yeah. Um, you know, more astronauts have come from there than, than any other university. You know, places like the Ivy Leagues are clearly known for something totally different. But we never stop to think that, they could benefit from us at some point. Um, you know, I've been a volunteer for CU for 25-ish years. Um, you know, and, and I did it specifically because I wanted to meet the other people who were on the board of the organization that I was 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 a part of. Sure. For me, it was all about networking. Now, you know, obviously it helped that I was an alum, but but yeah, it was, you know, it was like now th- those are people I want to meet. And, you know, and, and I have been involved for, you know, ever since then. Yeah, and I think that, unfortunately, from a university perspective, I think in Colorado, for example, people assume that we have bags of money because mm-hmm. we're a large organization and a public university. Uh, unfortunately, probably under 4% is what the state contributes right. every year. Yeah, even like though it. it's a state university, it, it gets very little funding from the state of Colorado. Yeah, we have to act like a business. That mm-hmm. is getting donations. And often donations are for research. Mm-hmm. And they're often for kids who otherwise couldn't afford to go to the University mm-hmm. of Colorado or any university. And obviously, we want to have a workforce for your business people out there mm-hmm. throughout the world. We want to have an educated workforce mm-hmm. um, and sort of an eclectic workforce. So mm-hmm. in arts and sciences, we love that we're very interdisciplinary, that mm-hmm. we're now working on a program for entrepreneurial sort of side of the arts and humanities. So mm-hmm. if you decide you're a fine artist, you also have to be able to sell your wares. Right. You have to understand. You how have to, to be able to read a contract. Yeah, look at a P and L, look at a balance sheet. Exactly right. So we're working on that side quite a bit more. Um, but occasionally you'll have students. Not occasionally, unfortunately. Quite often you'll have students from homes where they're first time college goers, mm-hmm. or just people who cannot afford the cost of education these days. Mm-hmm. And we obviously love supplementing that mm-hmm. uh, if we can with donations. On the other side, there's research, whether it be scientific research, mm-hmm. whether it be non-scientific research, or teaching people about theater, about dance. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually have one of the world's most renowned ceramics programs at the University of Colorado. I had no idea. Yeah, so um, 
So, so there's lots of ways of doing this. And again, when we meet people, you can't just blurt that stuff out. It's got to be about mm-hmm. what they are in, just like in any business. Mm-hmm. You know, if I bring to them sort of a widget, I right. say, oh, I've invented something for mm-hmm. your phone. Well, I don't know if that's interested in or not. If you have a relationship, you might know that. Right. Or at least have gathered that mm-hmm. information. Right. Well, and even if they say no or not at this time, if you've developed that relationship, it's it's exactly what you were saying before, top of mind. Because then not only are you still top of mind there, they're listening to other conversations. So they might hear somebody say, I need to buy a widget. And I don't know where to buy that widget. And you go, ah, Robert's those widgets. <laughs> or he might even know someone who has a widget if it's not the widget he has. Mm-hmm. In the manufacturing world, we made machines for the, t- for, for the um, sign industry. Mm-hmm. and signs that you'd see above Starbucks, the channel letters, and we'd mm-hmm. bend the metal and, and, and the plastic that went around those signs, mm-hmm. and we'd sell the neon back in the day. And so we had resellers for that machinery. If you obviously are making a sign for Wells Fargo and you're only making one, you could probably do that by hand. But if right. once Wachovia sells to Wells Fargo and you have to make 900 signs, you know, mm-hmm. two for each branch in, you know, three months, mm-hmm. you need automation. So we provided that automation. And when we dealt with resellers, both in the States and abroad, everyone was very different culturally. So mm-hmm. I might have a German reseller. He's going to work very differently than a Turkish reseller. Right. So you have to have a relationship, but mm-hmm. you have to understand how these people tick. Mm-hmm. And that, that makes it much more interesting for when you're dealing with them. You learn a lot about them. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Get to travel to fun places too, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and a really extreme example is when I dealt in Japan. You know, it's a very different thing culturally. Mm-hmm. When I was working with a guy in the UK, his machine came in a big crate, his first machine that he was mm-hmm. going to use as a demo. And we ripped it open and we, Japan, they put on white gloves and they ah. opened the box very carefully. Mm-hmm. And they, the first day we had these giant machines that weighed mm-hmm. whatever they weighed, they made covers for them in cloth mm-hmm. so that they would look tidy and neat. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the culture in Japan. Mm-hmm. And that was very important to them. So I couldn't schlep it out of the box right. and drag it down mm-hmm. the ramp we'd made it had to be done in their way mm-hmm. and they wanted to know about every screw and every nut and every mm-hmm. bolt i sort of knew that going in mm-hmm. it didn't mean i wasn't like all right come on come on yeah come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> we want to see this we want to see this um you know and, and it's interesting that you mentioned culture because i think because of the pandemic we are expanding you know obviously it depends on what we do what sure. you know, what our product or service is but but we're expanding who we're at least connected with. And um, I used to, I don't know if you knew this, I, I taught courses at Metro State um, okay. there on the, the Auraria campus. And, and it was obviously communication courses. And, and one of the things that we taught was about culture. And we had a, a young man who was from Japan in the class. And so we had him explain things. And one of the things that he talked about was this little thing right here, your business card. Yes. And, you know, and, and, he said, you know, if you hand someone your business card in the United States, typically they don't even look at it and they go, right? Or they stuff it in their pocket or they put it in a book or whatever. It's just because they're saving it for later. That is a huge show of disrespect in Japan, as, as you know, because this is an extension of the person. And so he told us, he said, you know, someone of, of Asian, you know, culture hands you their business card. You take it. You look at it. And then you put it in a place of honor. So you're not stuffing it in your pocket or, or whatever. And right there, I mean, that he said that can make a huge difference with how somebody decides to do business with you. And, um, you know, it, it is different, especially, you know, in, in many cultures, male and female. Um, you know, that's, that is one of the, the big things. Um, I still remember when we uh, moved here to Atlanta, we had to buy some furniture, bigger house. So we needed some new furniture and, and we went and, and there, uh, the owner of the store was um, one of the, the cultures that has a different view of women. You know, that's just the way their culture is. And when sure. the deal was done, I put out my hand and he wouldn't shake it. Oh, and, and he shook my husband's hand and, and he said, I, I would not disrespect your husband by shaking your hand. Now, I wasn't quite sure I bought that, but it was like, okay, you know, and, and right? yeah, you know, it was like, okay, whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, as, as business people, it's so important to research those things and even colors. You know, I remember learning things about, you know, th- this color in one culture means this thing. And in another culture, you know, like green typically is, is one of those things that especially say here signifies money. 
Yeah. Um, you know, and, and but in other cultures, it might signify something very different. So, you know, if you're reaching out to people and working with them in in other countries, you know, hello, Google it and and just just check those things out. Yeah. So two quick things about that. That's wonderful. Your great observations. And and I noticed in Japan, I, I fortunate to ask someone a smart question before making a foolish mistake. Although I make many foolish mistakes every day. Oh, we all do. Um, mm-hmm. On the business card, also, you don't want to write, you know, when we, we go, oh, what's right. your phone number? Mm-hmm. In effect, mm-hmm. that is writing on someone's face. Yes. Uh, yeah. So you're taking a that. note to say, remember to call them on Friday. And in fact, what you did was insult them. Yeah. And with the internet, we can research all of these things. There mm-hmm. are organizations that help with these cultural. Mm-hmm. I took a lot of trips. I actually went to this company that existed in Boulder at the time where you could take a course on sort of the culture. Right. Um, yesterday we had a fun thing. Um, I'm with some of my colleagues uh, on my team. Uh, we're taking a French class together just for fun. Mm-hmm. Another lovely advantage of being at a university. Mm-hmm. And we thought about something. When you go to France or Belgium or French speaking country, the pharmacists always have a green cross. Mm-hmm. So our French teacher lives in Colorado. And when right. her mother came here, she said, oh, great. It's a pharmacy. And there would be <laughs> no, a wrong green cross. <laughs> <laughs> so a green cross suddenly means two different things. In mm-hmm. France, it means a pharmacy. And mm-hmm. uh, here it means a dispensary. Mm-hmm. So, right. yeah, fun. Easy mistake to make. Mm-hmm, right. Well, and, you know, even here in the United States, things, things are different. Um, you know, I remember my first business meeting when we moved here. We now, um, you know, moved from Colorado. And I had, you know, except for a brief period of time where I was in school in Kansas, I'd always lived in Colorado. And um, so we move here to the, the deep south. I mean, you know, Atlanta is, is about as southern as you can get, even though we have so many people here from other places. But, sure. you know, I, I go to my, my first business meeting and everything came to a halt and we prayed. Oh, and I was just so startled by that because you never would have done that in Colorado. And, you know, and, and of course I have learned that, you know, I learned very quickly that, you know, e- you know, maybe you and I were just having dinner together. You might pray when the meal came here in the, in the South. And so I learned not to immediately be putting food in my mouth. Um, you know, just kind of take that, that little pause, you know, all of these various things. And, and to me, it's a show of respect um, sure. for the person, for their culture, for, for all of those things. Absolutely. And you also want to pray, make sure the food's not poisoned. I know, I know. Yeah, and and you never you never quite know sometimes. Um, but but yeah, it's it it is something that I think many people you know we all talk about the melting pot and things like that. But we're also still very proud of our specific cultures. Um, well, the toss salad, maybe if you you yeah. know you have. A- Yep. You know, and, yeah, and and I mean, it, it is part of that building that relationship. Um, you know, if you remember, you know, that you know, great example. You are Jewish. You know, and and so if I remember to uh, send you some type of of greeting on a Jewish holiday, sure. you know, that's just a little thing that you think, oh wow, you know, did it take me more than ten seconds to do? No, uh, and I didn't. I'm sorry, I missed missed. Oh, <laughs> um, we have lots, but, we have lots um, of holidays. Right, right. You know, and and but I'm also, you know, I'm 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 somebody who is probably going to say Merry Christmas to most people, yeah. unless I specifically know that 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 is not their faith. Yeah, um, that's an interesting thing as well from being out in the world as a sales guy and a marketing guy. And mm-hmm. um, when people say that to me, I just see it as a way of people being kind. Right. It's Almost like saying, how are you doing today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, they don't need to know that I don't celebrate Christmas. No. no. Say thank you very much and mm-hmm. say to your lovely family. Why not? Right. Mm-hmm. No. Right. Yeah. So it's, again, it's, it's a well-meaning gesture. Sure. And when a relationship goes further and people know individually, that's another good reason for having a relationship. Because right. Because you can mm-hmm. to someone, someone you know, they do celebrate Ramadan and that they're going to be fasting, they're going to be cognizant of saying, hey, do you want to go to lunch tomorrow? No, right. part mm-hmm. of Ramadan, we're not obviously mm-hmm. going to go to lunch. Mm-hmm. It's good to know that going in, right? right. Well, yeah. and then to me, it gives a great opportunity to have more conversation, to say, oh, oh that's, that's very interesting. Please tell me more. Um, you know, and, and so, yeah, again, you're just getting that little bit of education that's in there. No, and I think you're right. And I think education, getting back to education, mm-hmm. um, reasons I want to be involved in what I, I, I'm doing now is I love to be surrounded by educated people. Mm-hmm. I think in the US we have a very diverse group of people mm-hmm. and in the world. And it's fun to have people educated because you can always have interesting conversations. Mm-hmm. We were fortunate to be on a call last night mm-hmm. where we had interesting conversations with alumni from, from Atlanta about COVID, about what's mm-hmm. going on in the world, CBC, mm-hmm. lots of different businesses in Atlanta. And so I think that's really enriching. And that's mm-hmm. obviously why I'm involved in what I do now. Mm-hmm. 
But I think, I think that journey was interesting to get here because what we always had in common is I don't think people realize that being in a charity is really a business. I'm sure some. Right. Oh, yeah. There's, there's not – I love it when people say it's a nonprofit. No. It still has to make money or it's not going to function. You know, like when I worked for the American Cancer Society, I believe we were the largest nonprofit in the world at that point That's in time. You know, and, and but we made money or we wouldn't have functioned. It just, you know, it's it, it's how, and, and we have profit sharing. It's called something different. I don't remember what it is. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you, so a nonprofit has to make money or it doesn't function. Yeah, when I told my wife and we discussed me going into the nonprofit world, one of her little jokes was, well, you already owned a nonprofit with your business. I'm like, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Mm. You have lots of nonprofit experience. Mm. I hear that too. Oh. <laughs> there were years and years, right? <laughs> um, so do you see giving as something, was it something you always thought about? Or was it something that sort of you related to later in life? No, my parents brought me up to, to be doing things. Um, you know, it was, it was one of those things where it was probably uh, the, the first thing would have been going to church and, and tithing. Sure. Um, you know, that, was, that would have been uh, the first thing that, that I really thought about. And then um, just volunteering around the community. You know, I was, it was, it's a very small community. You, even though you, you have been in Colorado, I'm, I, you know, have you ever even been up to Walden? <laughs> it's really pretty small. I've never been to Walden. I, no one ever invited me. I know, I know. Well, we're we're hoping to be out in Colorado next month, and so we'll we'll see if we can remedy this. Um, but you know, there there were uh, there were limitations. I mean, you know, there weren't cer- certainly weren't weren't as many ways to volunteer up there. But you know, we were in scouts. Um, you know, we did a, a, a lot of things, and and so that was just always something that I did. Um, and then. You know, and and fortunately, I married someone who you know he's he. In fact, he probably thinks about it more than I do. Um, you know, and and he's very fortunate with the company that he works with. They do uh, matching gifts, and so and September is their month to do that. So he's been very busily doing all of those things and getting those done. But you know, it it really did. It was the conversation with you that started us really thinking about doing our will. I mean, that was, that was one of the, the big things was to, to think about that. Um, I did a will when I was diagnosed with cancer. You know, it was like, okay, I needed to have my medical power of attorney. I needed, well, needed to get my affairs in order, right? Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, but it was basic. It was one of those that I got off the internet and basically it said, Tom does and gets everything. Sure. He's, and, and so it was, you know, it was very easy, which here in, in Georgia you can do, um, and but it it did start us when we were talking with you start us thinking about what we would do because we don't have children. Um, I always laugh and say we have lots of nieces and nephews, but none of them have sucked up enough to to get anything. <laughs> And so, you know, we did start thinking about that process. Um, you know, we are at that age where we probably should have been thinking about things like that. In fact, we're probably past that age. But, um, you know, it was something where we sat down with an attorney because at that point we knew it was going to be more complicated, um, you know, because we would be uh, developing a trust um, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, doing several different things. And so, you know, wh- what did we care about and, and what were, were the things? And, you know, and, and you know, see you uh, was obviously one of the, the big things. And, and it's, it's interesting. And, and I'm assuming most, you know, places work the same. You actually get a form from the university that you fill out, you know, that you say, here's my intentions, um, you know, and, and so that was, was what we did. And, and it was funny because, you know, we, we go to dinner, we present you with our form. It was, you know, this very funny thing. Um, but, you know, it's, it really was something, as I said, that we had, we had thought about, but we hadn't done anything about it. Um, you know, and, and that's the one thing that I want to encourage everyone and, and, you know, who's listening or watching doesn't matter what age you are, you know, just thinking about it or, you know, even writing it on a post-it note doesn't quite count. Um, you know, writing it down, yes, that is, you know, that, that does make a, a legal difference, um, even if it is just on a post-it note. But think about those things. Um, think about, you know, if you, obviously, if you have children, you know, you need to think about, um, you know, what you're doing with them. But um, pets, you know, that's you know, what, what happens to your pets if something catastrophic happens to you, um, you know, uh, and all of these things. But I did have to laugh when we were at, we were at CU and we went to an event for, for donors. And I was talking with one of the people from the foundation who I've known for many years. Um, and, you know, and, and he knew obviously that why we were there and, and what we had done. And, and, um, and I said, so Marcus, 
let me, I just, I have a question for you. I said, so if we both, my husband and I die today, CU gets quite a bit of money because of the life insurance policies. And I said, but you know, if we live a long time and really enjoy ourselves, CU might get 50 cents. I said, so I said, how do you, you, and, and he looked at us and he said the ultimate, and I, you know, obviously I've remembered this. We wish for you a long but frugal life. <laughs> and I just always thought that was so funny. Marcus is, is great. But, um, but you know, it, it is something for people to be thinking about because, yes. yeah, it's like, like we said, ours is primarily a life insurance policy. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, that's something fairly easy to do. And I think a lot of people don't realize that if they get life insurance through their employer, they can designate, a, you know, a, a nonprofit entity on that. It doesn't have to be a spouse, a child, a sibling or whoever. I mean, you can put whoever you want on there. It's a little bit different paperwork, but, um, but yeah, you can do that. No, and it's very interesting that two things. First of all, one, it may, may be slightly different from the business world is I tend to ask people permission to talk about financial matters mm-hmm. and say, hey, the next time we meet, could we just right. have more of a mm-hmm. business meeting mm-hmm. and talk about fiscal matters? Mm-hmm. And people are usually up for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they say, oh, no, not for me. And that's right. great. And they're just busy. Time. Sorry, yeah. sorry, I can't see you this time. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. Although people are very kind, I have to say. Um, but I think that that notion of giving is really important for many, many reasons. One, people are very generous. It's a very philanthropic country. Mm-hmm. Really. This is America, you know, for, for whatever's going on around the world, it's a very philanthropic country. Mm-hmm. People are very kind. Uh, it's a little different. In other, where I grew up, it's a welfare state, so people may feel they don't have to give as much, but they mm-hmm. still give very generously. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, I think that notion of giving, one of the things people always forget about is that you know, you, if you leave money behind you, you're not organized, you know who's going to get that money. Yeah, and, Uncle and, Sam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And many people don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. I also am surprised how many times I hear from people, you know what, my kids and my grandkids very honestly are set. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a niece I'd love to give a little bit to or mm-hmm. whatever, or a cousin, whatever it might be. But generally, I hear that quite often. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, we've been fortunate. Our kids have been fortunate. Right. They live in nice homes. Obviously, some people give to their kids and they give a small amount to, uh, to other institutions. But I think the key to what you're talking about, Deb, is that notion of it doesn't have to be cash. It can right. be life insurance. Mm-hmm. It can be, as we said before, an IRA. It can be whatever vehicle you want to use. You know, we have had properties often will to the University of Colorado mm-hmm. and other charities I've worked in. It's pretty rare that people say, oh, I'm just going to write you a check. Mm-hmm. Something hugely important to me personally is that notion of acknowledgement and thanks mm-hmm. and stewardship. I don't like the notion of someone giving so generously. We never knew about it. It comes to the university and this happens suddenly in someone's world. You go, well, right. here's, here's you get $20 million dollars and you don't know who the person was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's lovely in someone's lifetime mm-hmm. to show them, Hey, these are some scholarship mm-hmm. recipients right now. These are the sort of people you'll be mm-hmm. supporting mm-hmm. long into the future after you have mm-hmm. sadly passed. And, that's what I think people should deserve to have that stewardship and that acknowledgement. And, and also, honestly, if I can be super frank, just like any business, when people are donors, they get more access to events and access right. to oh, yeah. you know, the, the higher ups, whatever it might be. They don't have to talk to me anymore. Um, it, it, but it's, it's a lovely thing to be able to thank people, really. Right. You know, and, and it's funny, when I, was, when I first started volunteering for CU, I was having a conversation with someone from the foundation and that was when I still worked at the American Cancer Society. And so I kind of had, you know, a, a thought on this and this person is no longer with CU, hasn't been there for a long time, but his philosophy was that you only really recognized big donors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even if it was a plan giving thing and, and my philosophy was the opposite. Uh. You know, somebody giving you $10 now, you know, yes, it takes time to thank them. And, and there are obviously, you're not going to thank a $10,000 donor the way you thank a $10 donor. I mean, you know, they're, they're, but I said, you know, if you don't acknowledge that $10 gift, that might've been their way of dabbling their toes in to see what would happen. Um, you know, and, and so that $10 donor or, you know, we, we were, you know, we mentioned, you know, that all of a sudden you get the $20 million policy when somebody dies. Maybe they donated $100 a year. You know, and it was just something that they did. They wrote that $100 check. Um, clearly something impressed them or they wouldn't have, have done something major like that. But, 
You know, it is about that, you know, acknowledging all of it. Um, even if it's an email, even if it's just a, a listing, you know, somewhere, people want that. Um, I, I got called on that last earlier this week because we did just have our, our national Beagle show um, and we recognized our donors. And that was my responsibility. I was, I was putting that together and I forgot somebody. Mm-hmm. And she she called me on it. Now it was very nice and very sweet. And and her point was she just wanted to make sure it, that we actually got the money. I mean, you know, that yes. was was the thing. Um, and so that was very sweet of her. But you know, I immediately went to our Facebook page and I did a mea culpa. And you know, and and I said, you know, it was it was my fault. And and I mean, it was forty dollars. But sure. you know, it, it it made her feel better. Um, but yes, yeah, she noticed that that she hadn't been on the list. Um, you know, and, and so it is, you know, it's those little things sometimes that really make a difference with somebody thinking, okay, well, this time it was $10, next time it'll be 100 and then maybe I will leave, you know, the bulk of my estate. Um, what do you think about this notion in business of having some, some sort of stewardship program? I think if I were to start a business again, mm-hmm. I would be thanking people much more. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I love it when businesses get involved in their communities, um, you know, and, and there's so many different ways that businesses can do it. Um, obviously, you know, it, it depends, you know, there's, there's you know, lots of different things that they can do. Um, when I worked at ING, one of the, the big things that I managed there was their philanthropic program. Now, they had a hefty budget, uh, you know, and, and this was quite a long time ago, and it was a hefty budget. So, we were able to provide cash um, type of, of things, but one of the programs that meant the most to our employees were they were math tutors to the nearby eighth grade. Oh, so nice. Maury Middle School, and, and I mean, we had people that they had been a math tutor the whole time they were at the company. And if we had said, we're not going to do that program anymore, it might have made them think, you know, I'm not sure I want to work there. You know, all it took was a couple hours out of every Wednesday or whatever that, that we did. And, and, and because, but because it was a, something formally that we did, it, they weren't taking that as time off or anything like that. But, you know, there, so, but clearly we weren't giving any money. I mean, there was not, but that was one of the programs that was valued the most. And that's what I think businesses now need to think about because not everybody can write the checks, but how can you help? You know, what can you do? Even if it's just, hey, we've got these computer monitors that, you know, we were, we're not using right now. Can we donate them? Um, you know, now they're, it, it, this is not the place to dump your old stuff. <laughs> you right. know, we've all seen that happen, right? But, you know, there are certainly ways where you can help. Um, and, and, you know, it doesn't have to be monetarily. No, and I think you're right. And I think that I'm fortunate enough to also be on the Children's Diabetes Foundation Board, which is part of the Barbara mm-hmm. Davis Center, mm-hmm. on CU Anschutz campus. Right. And so it's fun. I would hate not to be involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the university is very good about giving us time off. If I go to a board meeting, they're like, of course you should be going to a right. board meeting. When mm-hmm. We're in the same sort of uh, philanthropy business. Of mm-hmm. course you should be involved. Mm-hmm. And so businesses are really good about that. And I think my question was also a little bit about that notion of thanking in general in mm-hmm. the private sector. Mm-hmm. So I think that I don't recall when I was in business that I thanked our customers enough. Mm-hmm. People spent money. I think we're really right. good at thanking people in the nonprofit world. Mm-hmm. We could still always do better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly in the business world, I didn't think to say, who are my most loyal clients? Mm-hmm. What should I do for them? I think we probably right. thought, what do we do for them at Christmas? Mm-hmm. We invite them to a party or we mm-hmm. buy them a bottle of booze or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, less fashionable to do that these days. Um, but whatever it might be, mm-hmm. don't you think that sort of those stewardship programs in the private sector would sort of go a long way mm-hmm. to customers knowing that they were appreciated? They would. Um, you know, we, we were chatting last night on, on a, a different Zoom call with a gentleman from Chick-fil-A. And, and, of course, we brought up the fact that one of the things that they are all taught to do is they, you know, whenever they're assisting you in the process, they end with, it's my pleasure to serve you. Nice. Um, you know, and... And what I always like about it is almost always, not, not, not quite every time, but it, it is always sincere, mm-hmm. you know, and, and because there's, there's that difference too. I mean, you know, if somebody tosses my food and says, hey, it's my pleasure to serve you. I'm like, no, it wasn't, um, you know, but if it's, if you always know it's coming at least mostly from the heart, it's, it's the same thing. So I, you know, and, and you're right. I think as business owners, as, you know, as, as working for companies, whatever it is, we don't say thank you nearly enough. No, and that's an interesting thing with the Chick-fil-A of the world. That's also a cultural phenomenon. Right. 
you know, so if you spend your whole day saying it's a pleasure, that mm -hmm. eventually gets ingrained, of course, it mm -hmm. becomes a pleasure right. because it's just a positive attitude around mm -hmm. the place. And mm -hmm. I think that obviously we have that at the university when we see a young student succeed. Mm -hmm. We have a student in our office who's a senior. He just got into a program in New York for his mm -hmm. master's. And, you know, he comes from a home that's very, very poor. Mm -hmm. um, we have another student that also came from a very unfortunate mm -hmm. background and has traveled to Colombia on a travel abroad program with help of scholarships. And mm -hmm. um, now is doing internships. He did it for First Bank, which is mm -hmm. a regional bank in Colorado last year. And I think now he's looking at Morgan Stanley for this mm -hmm. coming summer, if it works out with COVID. And, you know, this is a kid who, if you'd looked at him five years ago, you'd say, okay, hopefully he'll get into college. Mm -hmm. And now we're talking about Morgan right. Stanley. You know, it's, mm -hmm. so that's the wonderful things that can happen with people being kind. Mm -hmm. Well, and it really does take so little. Um, you know, I, I go out to the post office, or to, my, to the post office, to my mailbox yesterday, and there's this little card in there. And, um, and, you know, I, I'm like, you know, I, I, there's no return address on it. So I'm thinking, you know, okay, what politician is sending me something, right? And I open it up and it's this cute little thank you card from somebody who attended the dog show last week, just thanking me for everything that I did. Oh, how lovely. You know, and that was, that was all it was. And now that little card will have a place of honor in my office because part of it is we don't do that anymore. Now, you know, we might say thank you verbally. We might send them an email. We might post on Facebook, whatever. But the fact that she took the, you know, probably five minutes from start to finish process of right, and it was personalized. I mean, you know, it wasn't just, you know, and, and that, that always gets me when I get the thank you for my graduation gift. And, you know, it's like, now you can take the time to say what it was. Yeah, um, exactly. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, the fact that she took the time to acknowledge that I had, had, you know, spent a lot of time working last week, you know, that, that meant the world to me. I think you're right. And I think that, you know, part of my afternoon today mm -hmm. is note cards. Yep. That's something I just tend to do. I don't know if it's an old fashioned mm -hmm. thing. It's just something, as you know, I have horrendous handwriting. Could have been a pharmacist, um, except for the science skills. Yeah. Um, <laughs> minor thing. That's what computers are for. But it's so interesting when we get handwritten notes in the mail, it tends to be the first thing we open. Right. I'm not going to go, oh, great. It's a bill from public service. I'll yeah. open mm. it. Oh, thank mm -hmm. goodness. Um, or, you know, that's a letter from the, mm -hmm. the visa company. Mm -hmm. um, no, so if you get a handwritten note, it's mm -hmm. going to be the first thing you, you mm -hmm. notice and the first thing you open. And it's, it's a departure these days to get those. Mm -hmm. So I think businesses could do a little bit better than that, right. you know, in that, that realm. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting. I just bought um, three products from the same company. And I don't expect to hear from them. But mm -hmm. it's interesting that um, I bought a, a lawnmower that has a big battery in it. And this company, their batteries work in all of their products. So I just bought a leaf blower from them. And now I just bought a snow blower. Cool. Right. Smart um, company that does that. Mm -hmm. yeah, the smart company who does it. You just, but it's interesting that if they had a really good database, they're like, okay, guy in Colorado, mm -hmm. hey, we have four or five more products. Maybe we a, marketed to him that we right. also have a, mm -hmm. whatever else we have, mm -hmm. you know, an edger or whatever we have mm -hmm. for the garden. Um or, or, you know, a chainsaw or whatever. I'm scared of chainsaws. So it wouldn't be that. But, uh, <laughs> Um, but, you know, it'd be interesting if they had a sophisticated, mm -hmm. sophisticated enough database mm -hmm. to look and say, okay, mm -hmm. we're not a giant thing, but here's a customer that's mm -hmm. growing. And, right. I and here's a media. discount for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you do mind mentioning us on social media, mm -hmm. as you know, I'm just like you. I have lots and lots of people on LinkedIn and lots mm -hmm. of other social media platforms. So just interesting how businesses, mm -hmm. how we feel when we sort of analyze it from the outside. Mm -hmm. Oh, how would I deal if I knew this guy was really becoming a big super fan mm -hmm. of that? Great products, by the way. I'm right. not going to mention their names because they haven't written to me yet. So yeah, yeah, they haven't, they haven't been nice yet. No. No, and, and I love it when people take the time, like on Facebook, to say, oh, my gosh, I just went to this great restaurant, um, you know, and, and give that little plug for them. Um, it's, uh, earlier today, I was dealing with the fact that we, one of my clients got a very negative review on Facebook. And, you know, and I always tell people, do not ever, ever, ever ignore those. We have to respond. And even if it is just to say we're sorry, because in many cases, you can't get into the details and you don't want to. I mean, you never want to get into a pissing match on, on social media with somebody. And, you know, and most people just want to be acknowledged. They want to know that you heard them. And yeah. so saying we're sorry that happened 
is is you know what we need to do and so yeah. you know this woman had this very negative review um and so we responded and and you know and, and said you know we're sorry this happened please contact us now they never do you know they just wanted to vent for that little bit but um then the best thing happened other people responded to that review in positive ways nice um you know and and so you know and and but it, it is you know when but we always take the time whether it's a positive or a negative review to thank somebody you know thank you for for bringing that to our attention or you know all these various things and you know the same thing goes with with all of these various things that that we've got going on you know if you went and had you know a great meal at a restaurant thank them um you know whether and and clearly you know it is sometimes a cultural thing as to you know that the younger generation is going to use one platform and you know they might say something on twitter and you know all these things but you know as as a business owner we love that we love seeing those but as we get those thank those people also you know hey thanks for saying such nice things about us um because i'm not going to say something nice again if i and isn't it funny i'm not going to say something nice again if you don't acknowledge that i said something nice the first time <laughs> no i think that's great and i think it leads us to another point from a business perspective <coughs> that acknowledging your staff mm. i can actually realize like i'm in our block, my computer mm -hmm. business mm -hmm. i realized after a period of time the way we we're advertising being out and about getting new clients I realized it was a little easier, although not easy, a little easier to get clients than it was to get good staff. Mm. So I wanted staff that had a didn't had a computer interest but not mm -hmm. a computer background. Mm -hmm. I wanted history majors mm -hmm. and poli sci majors because we were often spending day or days at clients. Mm. And we couldn't just have some sort of computer guy looking at his shoes. Right. Yeah. We had to have a social being. Well, with that in mind, cultivating that staff. You've got to thank your staff. Mm -hmm. I love giving this, the team I'm mm -hmm. fortunate enough to lead right now. I love giving them credit. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lovely, lovely thing to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that acknowledging people, that positive reinforcement mm -hmm. is extremely important. Right. You know, retention's tough. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, I know now we're in a different kind of economy, but it mm -hmm. won't always be like this. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a bit of an optimist, in case you couldn't tell. Um, and I think that if you want to keep, it's very expensive mm -hmm. to hire people. Very expensive. Right. Oh, yeah. So retaining people is mm -hmm. huge. So my only other tip from the nonprofit world and, and you know, the, the for-profit world is try and retain people mm -hmm. by acknowledging them and growing them and nurturing them and helping them become Right. I would surround myself with people much smarter than myself, and then I look just fine. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, it's it's more difficult now when we're not in the same offices. You know, everybody's yeah. on Zoom and, and home officing and, and all of those things. Um, but, you know, quick little emails saying, hey, you know, thanks a bunch. You send them a gift card for McDonald's for $5. I mean, you know, all these little various things are great ways to, to acknowledge um, that somebody did a good job. And, and they don't even need it to be public. I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, that, that you're naming them employee of the month and, you know, they get the, the good parking spot or whatever. Sometimes just walking into their office and saying, oh, my gosh, Robert, thank you so much for going above and beyond this week. You have no idea how much we appreciated that. Yeah, um, no. You know, and, and that's the, the, the key is, is the, as you said, you know, it, it's uh, the happy employees stay. Um, you know, even if they could get paid better elsewhere or all of these various things. Um, and you mentioned, you know, educating them. Sometimes when you educate them, they leave. But that's okay because they left you in a better place and they're going to a better place. Yeah, is that old notion we always see that meme online about, you know, what about if I educate and pay to educate these people and they leave? And you mm -hmm. say, well, what about if uh, I don't educate them and they stay? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They don't want that. Right. And I think you're very right. Mm -hmm. do, do people, do you think that people are looking at ways of changing the way that they acknowledge people. You know, they, we tease about the free space, the, you know, the best the best parking space. Quite mm -hmm. mute these days for most people who right. are Right. Yeah, so, gee, that's you know, fun. I'm not going into the office. <laughs> feel free to park in your own driveway. I'll, yes. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll come put a sign in your driveway, right? Exactly. So what do you think are people are thinking about, not specifically, but about acknowledging people during a very different time? Mm -hmm. I mean... You know, and I think a big part of it is acknowledging that it is a difficult time for people. Sure. Um, you know, and, and so many people are having so many challenges because not only are they your employee doing, you know, their little job, they've also got two kids that they're having to, to, to do, you know, homeschool. They've got a spouse that's home, um, you know, all of these various things. Sure. And, and so it's, you're just telling them, oh my gosh, you know, I, we understand how difficult it is for you right now. Um, you know, and, and 
let's be honest, I think many companies are being very fiscally strapped and very fiscally responsible right now, you know, so sending everybody a gift card might not be a good thing. Right. But but yeah, you know, just sending them those emails or or the handwritten note and saying, you know, just wanted you to know that that we're we're thinking of you. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what size company you have. You can sit down in the evening while you're watching TV and and write a whole bunch of these notes. Um, again, they got to be personalized. You know, it can't just be you know, you, you got to put their name on it. You know, I hate it when you get something and it does. And I'm like, really? Did they even know who I was? Yeah, to um, whom it may be concerned. Yes, yes. To whom it may be concerned. Thank you very much. Or then when when the envelope is addressed by somebody different, that's always kind of one of those weird disconnects too. And and but I understand. I mean, you know, a lot of times you, you give it to somebody and say, okay, now now you take care of finishing all of this. But but yeah, you know, it needs to be you know that personal note that says. You know, Robert, thank you so much for working on X project, you know, be specific, you know, and, and all of those things um, and then sign it, um, you know, and, and, and yeah, I mean, it's, it costs you the, you know, whatever it costs to buy the, the thank you cards and however much it costs for stamps nowadays, um, you know, and, and a little bit of your time, but they will remember it. Um, and my guess is they'll show it to people. And, you know, even if it's just their spouse and their kids and their dog, you know, they're going to say, look what I got. No, I think that's brilliant. So I, I think that people, well, first of all, this has been a delight and thank you. I know, and we're almost at the top of the hour. Uh, see, so, this is why I set a timer. We could be going on four hours from now. Mm. Yeah, well, it's great. It's been lovely, and I really appreciate it. I think that the things, I, if I have, if it's okay, the sort of things I'd like to leave people with mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is that notion of what can we do during these times that are unprecedented. Mm-hmm. I, I think one of the important things is for people to pick up the phone. I think people are more likely to pick up a phone mm-hmm. or with the phone rings, looks at it. We can see who it is. If it's a mm-hmm. scam likely, I'm like, oh, I don't think I want to right. talk to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think for the most part, even if it goes to voicemail, leave a very pleasant voicemail. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, was thinking of you. Mm-hmm. want to thank you for your custom. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being such a wonderful client. Mm-hmm. If you have five minutes to get back to me, I'm available at these times mm-hmm. and we'd love to have, have a catch-up conversation, see what we can do to help you mm-hmm. or help one another. And especially from a networking perspective, mm-hmm. I think people sort of discount the phone. I know the younger generation isn't quite into the phone, mm-hmm. and that's that's fine too. Right. But if I get a text saying thank you, yeah. that's just as good. It is. It's great. Mm-hmm. And so if you're SMSing, texting, whatever one wants to call it, mm-hmm. I think that that's that's somebody just sent you something right there. <laughs> there you go. Something just rang. Something just rang. Mm-hmm. Give me a reminder. Um, so it was my dog saying, "Why wouldn't you let me in before?" Uh, <laughs> So, no, I think that's it. Obviously, I think be kind. And I also think that think of institutions, if you can, that need help right now. Mm-hmm. Because there's lots of organizations that need help currently, both in business. Send your, you know, try and support small businesses. Mm-hmm. Try if you're going to go out and eat or take, get mm-hmm. takeout. Chick-fil-A is a wonderful organization, for example, so you can support. But also think about smaller organizations mm-hmm. that need help right now. So that's mm-hmm. one thing, both on the profit side and the nonprofit side. And see what you can do to help, even mm-hmm. if it's a small amount. And as you mentioned, that forty dollars—it's important. Every forty dollars counts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's forty dollars right. I didn't have before, and the Beagles mm-hmm. didn't have before. So mm-hmm. that's wonderful too. Right? Yeah. We, you know, I mentioned that we were just traveling, and one of the towns that we came through, somebody had sold yard signs, and and it said, "Just be kind." And they were all over the, the community. I thought that was so great. And I really seriously thought about stealing one <laughs> to put up here, which I'm thinking, okay, that's not the, the purpose of this. But if I had known where I could have bought one, I would have. Um, because, and, but, but it is. It's just right now, more than ever, we need to just be kind. Yeah, and we know that you're dealing with an international audience here, which is lovely. So good day, good night, good morning to everyone, whatever time it might be. But... People fundamentally are the same. They want mm-hmm. they they want to be financially secure. They want their families to be secure and happy and well and healthy. And so everyone really wants the same thing. It's just different mm-hmm. cultures and different languages. But yeah, I, I agree with you. If we're kind to one another, and, and fundamentally the human beings are kind. There's going to mm-hmm. be some outliers right there, but of course. Right. And you and Tom were very kind to the University of Colorado, and thank you for that once again. I can say in public. A and long again, and frugal life to us. <laughs> no, no, a long and enjoy your life to you. It'll be fine. <laughs> Whatever you get will be wonderful, and it's very, very kind of you. 
Well, and I can't wait till we see Ralphie run again. Um, you know, it's, I mean, you, you talk about donations. We bought our season tickets for football this year. We paid for them way back in January. And we transitioned that into a donation to scholarships. Um, you know, CU very kindly gave us multiple ways that, that you know, we could, could uh, make decisions with that money. Um, but yeah, you know, season ticket time comes, we'll, we'll buy it again. Um, you know, and, and but, but yeah, again, there are so many ways that people can be involved. Be a mentor. I mean, to me, that exactly. is one of the best things that somebody could do. Or you'll call your university, call your business department and say, hey, you know, I'd like to come. Would you would you be interested in having me as a guest lecturer? Exactly. Um, you know, all these various things. There's so many ways that people can give back that, that we just need to stop and think about things like that. Yeah. yeah and you have a very skilled audience, clearly lots of different fields of, of, of work. And, and experience, and I think that they could help in lots of different ways in nonprofits, in universities, mm-hmm. in, in faith groups, whatever it might be that interests mm-hmm. right. Please feel free to get involved mm-hmm. in whatever way, and it will just be wonderful. And, right. and thank you all if you're going to do that. Right. I thank you all in advance for doing that. Yes, for whatever organization. And, you know, and, and, and it makes you feel good in here, which is, again, we need that right now. This is just you know, trying times. Yeah, and if obviously if it's okay with you, if people want to connect to me, I'm yes. Broke. How do they connect with you? Well, they can connect with me, Robert Garlic, G A R E L I C K at Colorado.edu, and I would be delighted. I also have a LinkedIn page at Robert Garlic, and I would be thrilled to hear from people if uh, if it's appropriate. And he won't ask you for money. That's okay. Um, <laughs> but I might. Yeah, yeah, but it'll be further down the road. Yes. <laughs> You have to be patient. Yes, yes. Well, Robert, this really has been just so much fun, um, you know, and, and getting to know you a little bit more and, and being able to talk about the things that we don't talk about when we're, when we're just having dinner. Well, no, I appreciated it, the opportunity very much. It was lovely. You guys are a delight. And thank you for doing the show. It's amazing. And I'm, I'm glad I'll listen to more episodes now I know, you see. Yeah, yeah. You got a new podcast to listen to. Perfect. Well. I, this really has been so much fun. Go Buffs. Um, you know, and, and to everyone out there, I'm Deb Creer. Been having a wonderful time talking with Robert Gerlich. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.